0: There's nothing right. morally bad about eating a food. Right. Um, for a lot of clients, I'll kind of explain, you know, I like to say that all food falls on kind of a spectrum of nutrient density. So we know that some foods right. are going to be more nutrient dense than others, but from on a moral perspective, there's no like good or bad mm-hmm. food is just food. It doesn't fall under that morality, that, you know, wellness culture right. and 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 even in in dietetic, like training, we learned like, oh, that you shouldn't have people eat this food.
1: Welcome to the Build with Braybeck podcast, where we dig deep into real, raw and honest conversations with people that are making moves, making change and making their own version of their very best life and teaching you how to build the same. Covering all things health, wellness, anti-diet culture, body positivity, and so much more, here's your host, Amanda Braybeck. Good morning. Happy Thursday. Welcome back to the Build with Braybeck podcast. Hope you guys are having a great week, even though it is gloomy and gray here in Boston this week, but... That's all right. I'm honestly kind of loving it. Um, I'm in week two of the new J-O-B. And like I'm stuck inside anyway. So it's kind of just making me like be cozy. Got my candle going. Poe is snuggled up next to me. Um, Speaking of which, good segue. Highs and lows. My high, I'm going to totally throw my little sister under the bus. So Becca, if you're listening, honestly, I know you're just going to laugh too because It is too good not to share. Um, So over the weekend, we drove down to Connecticut to celebrate my dad's birthday with my parents and our other sister that lives in New Hampshire. So Becca and I were driving down to Connecticut. Poe, my dog, was in the back seat. Also, if you don't know that Poe's my dog, we got to get to know each other a little better. Um, But he was in my back seat. And normally, like, he loves the car. He'll be, like, just happy, head out the window, and, like, on a longer car ride like that. Like, he'll be excited at first, straight chill the whole time, and then the last five minutes be, like, freaking out because he knows that we're almost there. When we going to get off the highway, and he, like, recognizes the scenery. But he was being crazy almost the entire time, like, just nonstop chatting it up, whining. And then the last, like, five minutes, He, like, freaks out, totally just jumps over the little, like, divider thing that I have in the back seat to keep him back there. Like, seat cover thing. Jumps over into Becca's lap in the front seat. And his butt is just, like, up against her chest because he's, like, standing on the seat, head over the dashboard, butt up against Becca's chest. And is, like, whining. Definitely tooting. And we pull into my parents' driveway, and as he like gets more away from her body, she looks down <laughs> and just goes, "He shit on me!" <laughs> and Poe totally sharded on her chest, and she's wearing a white shirt. Like, I felt guilty. One that like he he didn't ruin the shirt. She, we washed it when we got there. Whatever. But, like, obviously felt bad that my dog did that to my sister and also felt bad that poor Poe the whole time was just telling us that he had to go. But I hope that gave you a good giggle. If you know Becca, you can, like, imagine her reaction. Um, and my low was – um, I was doing something this week kind of out of my comfort zone, um – and I feel like I just, like, really let myself get in my head and let, like, the self-doubt creep in. And I feel a little disappointed in myself that I allowed myself to, like, backslide like this. Um, I mean, like, everyone has their days. And when you're doing stuff out of your comfort zone, it's hard to always, like, bring the confidence even if you're, like, faking it till you make it. Um But if you guys are big reality TV fans like myself, um, I listened to this week's episode of the Lady Gang podcast, which I highly recommend. um, And they had Lala from Vanderpump Rules on. And if you know Lala, she is definition of a bad bitch. She speaks her mind. She is so true to herself. And they were talking about this, like the self-doubt – really, um, like hindering you and taking away from special moments and big things that you're doing. And her advice, which I absolutely loved was to come up with your alter ego. So for Lala, her alter ego is Lala Lauren, I think is her, um, real name or legal name. Um, you know, Lauren is the girl from Utah. Lala is the actress, the reality TV star, the girl that doesn't take shit from anybody. So, her advice was to come up with your alter ego and like totally envision her in your mind. Um kind of like in a manifesty type of way. Um like totally visualize her and how she would react to situations and um like almost removing yourself from the situation and just embodying this like character that you have in your head and like it seems so simple but I don't know it stuck with me and it felt like really good advice so I'm going to leave that with you here and we can just jump right into the episode um I chatted with my friend and fellow fitness instructor here in Boston, Amanda Waldron. Um, we used to work together at Everybody Fights. Um, she no longer teaches there, but she does teach at MyStride, which is an amazing studio in the city. She is also a full-time registered dietitian. She works a lot with athletes and with college students. However, everything we talk about is totally um, transferable to your everyday person, um, fueling your body for the workouts that you're doing for your day-to-day activities. Um, we talk about intuitive eating, so much good stuff. Um, I hope that you enjoy as always have a great week today's guest is one busy woman not only does she work full-time as a registered dietitian and nutritionist but also works part-time as a certified personal trainer and run coach at my stride here in boston she has intensive training and education in eating disorders disordered eating and adolescent and women health as if that wasn't impress impressive enough she was a d1 cross country and track runner at the college of the holy cross and is a boston marathon qualifier if you follow her on instagram you'll be inspired by her sunrise running photos and possibly get a little hungry from all of her trader joe's product reviews i can't wait to pick her brain and get all the scoop on running and nutrition and everything in between welcome to the podcast amanda waldron
0: thanks i'm so
1: excited to be here I'm so excited to have you. <laughs> I feel like it's like kind of a long time coming. Yeah. Um, how are things?
0: Things are are busy. It's been um, a busy pandemic, but things yeah. are good.
1: <laughs> well, that's good. It's like a blessing yeah, to be busy. It is.
0: Yeah. Um, so
1: I like to start off the episodes. Um, a more recent thing that I've been doing is asking the guests what their highs and their lows have been from the last couple of weeks. Mm.
0: Just a little perspective. Okay. Um, let's see. My highs of the week have been that definitely that the sun is out longer. Um, I've been able to like get outside after work and go for a walk um by the beach so that's been nice um and my lows of the week oh that it's been kind of windy when I've been running and I despise (laughs) running in the wind (laughs) yeah I mean that's fair Fair enough that's fair enough especially like
1: Doing your early morning runs, not yep. the most fun.
0: Yeah, there's a lot of wind on Castle Island and Sea, and it is tough to run through it. <laughs> yeah, no kidding. I
1: was just walking the like Castle Island loop on Sunday, and it was not really that windy at all. And then the second you're like out on the bridge, mm-hmm. it's just like oh, I'm just gonna like- get blown <laughs> into the water. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Awesome. All right. Well, um, why don't we start with you just kind of like telling us a little bit more about your background? Um, I guess let's start with dietitian stuff. Sure. And then we can talk about the running stuff.
0: Sounds great. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I am a registered dietitian, and I'm actually on the newer side. I graduated from BU. Um, in 2018. So I've been in the field just a couple of years, um, but it's been great. Yeah. So I, um, I went to Holy Cross for undergrad and I studied bio. And then at some point in my senior year, I was like, oh, I, I don't think I want to go to med school. I'm not really sure what I want to do. And Mm -hmm. I kind of was like researching, ways to help people, which I don't even think I know what that meant at that time, um, (laughs) online. And I found nutrition. I was like, oh, that sounds interesting. Mm -hmm. Um, And, you know, having a background as a runner, I thought, you know, going into nutrition would be super helpful. I wanted to, you know, work with athletes at some point in my life. So I started grad school at Boston University. And now I'm I'm a registered dietitian. I went through, I got my master's, um, and it's been quite a journey, but it's, I'm really enjoying it. I work, um, I work at Harvard university, um, in their health services, which is so fun. I love working with college students and grad students. Mm -hmm. Um, and then I also work in a private practice. Um, I work at Laura Moretti nutrition, which is a group of uh, such amazing dietitians. And we all, specialize in eating disorders and disordered eating and sports nutrition. And that's been just amazing. So, yeah. I love it.
1: Yeah. Um, tell us a little bit about your, are they called clinicals in?
0: Yeah. Like my oh, like clinical rotations. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I did my internship and like clinical rotations at Boston Medical Center. Um, and that was really hard. I feel like that was the first time that we, you know, as a diet a dietetic intern, you're like in the hospital setting, and you know, mm-hmm. there's, you know, I think clinical dietetics um, is is different than outpatient dietetics where I am now. Um, so that was um, is definitely a lot to you know focus on. Um, you know, patients that were using feeding tubes and um, you know, all sorts of different diets in the hospital, which um is definitely different counseling than I do now. Um so that was that was quite the experience. But I had a really great group of friends in grad school. So that really made it made it better.
1: Yeah, no kidding. That support system. (laughs) Well, let's dive in to the stuff that you really work on right now. Um, so at Harvard, you're working with a lot of students you were saying?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So I work in health services and I see, um, you know, the college undergrad students and Mm -hmm. then grad students and, um, some faculty and and staff. Um, so I see a wide range of ages. Um, but I would say that, specifically for the grad students and undergrad students you know i see some some athletes there some recreational athletes um but i would say my the you know the biggest concerns that i see are typically related to dieting and mm-hmm. um you know eating eating disorders and eating concerns and disordered eating and um and some people were working on intuitive eating um yeah. which i know you're getting your certification in. So it's It's on my to-do list every day and every day I push (laughs) it off. So one day it'll happen. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah. So that's, you know, those, those are the typical topics that I'm working on with students.
1: Yeah. And then it's similar kind of stuff at the private practice as well.
0: Yeah, so in our private practice, we um, we work specifically with athletes and we'll see, um, you know, adolescent athletes. So kids in high school or middle school, um, college age students and then even some adults or masters athletes. Um, And so, you know, we'll see all ranges of competition too. you know, some athletes are on their high school team. Other athletes are playing club sports. Um, Some people are at the competitive level um, in college and then other people are, you know, working towards higher competition, um, outside depending on the sport that they're in. That's so interesting. Yeah.
1: Yeah. All right. Well, let's dive in to some of the stuff that you, um, kind of see a lot either, either way, um, Um, in terms of some of the stuff that like the women come to you with, is it a lot of like maybe coming to you wanting to be like more on a diet and like focusing on weight loss mm-hmm. or is it a lot of like, I see where my behaviors are becoming problematic. How do I shift that?
0: Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I will say I think I see kind of both of that. So maybe I'll I'll dive into um talk about it all. Yeah. So, you know, one thing that I'll see a lot with female athletes is you know, they might have been referred by a doctor because they've lost their period um or they've lost, you know, um a significant amount of weight or their um you know, they're struggling with being able to fuel themselves and noticing low energy in whatever sport that they're in. Mm -hmm. Um, and so, you know, there might be kind of a, a range of, um, you know, things that they're, they're struggling with, whether they're struggling with disordered eating, or they're kind of in the category that we call reds. So relative energy deficiency in sport, mm-hmm. um, where, you know, essentially they're low energy intake and, um, for, for people that are menstruating their loss of menstrual cycle, um, and any sort of like stress fractures or bone injuries. Um, you know, we might see that, you know, they're fall into that reds, um, Category and then, um, you know, some some athletes are struggling with eating disorders, and so, mm-hmm. um, you know, we'll we work on kind of assessing you know where they're at, and then thinking about you know where in their day are, um, you know, where in their day can they optimize more fuel, and, and we work on strategies of how to fuel for their sport in particular. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, sometimes we just have to take you know, a step back from the sport and just think about, you know, as a, as a person living in the world, how are we going to make sure that you're fueling your body so that your body can be at its healthiest place. Um, and, you know, think about strategies of how we're going to add in more fuel, um, for those, um, for those athletes. Right. I mean, Um, I love
1: that that is the focus and like shifting that perspective from, you know, calories and food as like kind of the enemy Mm -hmm.
0: into more
1: okay food is literally fueling whether it's I'm playing a sport or just like you said a human trying to get through my Mm day-to-day um so how I mean obviously it's so different in a case-by-case basis but what are some of those like tactics I guess you could call them um to, I mean, one shift that perspective, but also find ways to, like you were saying, optimize the fuel and everything.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So the first step that I like to take is, is a more educational approach. And so, Mm -hmm. you know, I think everyone comes into my office at a different point of nutrition education, whether they've taken a health class in school or they majored in nutrition or they've been um, reading articles online or they have spent a lot of time following someone on Instagram. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, say, they yeah. Have a lot of influencers, <laughs> yeah, they might be scrolling on TikTok a lot. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, everyone comes in a different place. So, usually I'll, you know obviously as a dietitian, we use, you know, evidence-based principles and Mm -hmm. then, um, but it's also important to, to assess, you know, how someone feels too, right? Like, you know, I think one of the hardest pieces of, of sports nutrition counseling in, um, real life is that we have all these like equations and numbers and, you know, assessment tools, but then it's how to, how do you actually counsel the athlete Mm -hmm. while they're, you know, there in your office and going on the field. And so it's kind of a mix of using science and also kind of like getting feedback from the athlete themselves about how they feel. And, you know, sometimes it's a really slow process, but I like to, you know, start with education of like why someone needs carbohydrates, you know, Mm -hmm. why for their sport, you know, are carbohydrates going to likely be their main fuel, you know, why they need protein, why they need fats. Um, And then from there kind of branch out to different food groups and see where, you know, which food groups might be missing. Um, You know, a lot of athletes really prioritize protein, Mm -hmm. which is great, but we also need carbohydrates. And that usually is, you know, for a lot of athletes, not everyone, but a lot of athletes struggle with carbs because they just, they get a bad, they get a bad rap in the media, Uh, Um, but we need them, they're important. So, you know, we'll talk about why we need them. Um, I have lots of like visual guides. I'm a very visual person. Um, And then from there, we'll kind of, you know, see what they're willing to add in. You know, we try, you know, I'm happy to work with athletes on figuring out like which foods are going to feel best in their body and which foods, um, you know, do they have access to and which foods do they actually like? Um, Mm -hmm. And then, you know, we'll slowly kind of work on adding fuel in um, and seeing how they feel. And, you know, for some athletes we will work on what we would call exposures. And so, you know, if they have foods that they're really fearful of, you know, we'll, we'll take a really slow approach of seeing how can we introduce those foods back in? Mm -hmm. How can we practice permission to eat those foods um, and true permission, like really allow ourselves to enjoy that food and eat that food and allow it into our day to day. um, And slowly over time, you know, Adding those in in larger quantities. And it's really rewarding when, you know, after working with an athlete for a while, and then they're like, I had, you know, insert whatever food was scary for them. Um, They're like, I had, you know, this food the other day and I wasn't even anxious about it. And that's just the best feeling ever. The best. Okay. Let's talk about
1: that a little bit because I have read up until that part, at least, of um, (laughs) one of like the principles of intuitive eating, which is making peace with,
0: mm-hmm. you know,
1: your scary foods or whatever. Yeah. Um, and obviously a huge part of that is allowing yourself to eat it and having it readily available, like in mm-hmm. your home or whatever. Um, so let's talk a little bit about how you work with your clients to or your patients to make peace with those foods and
0: – what, why is that important also? Yeah. Yeah. Um, so, you know, in terms of the importance, you know, I think that when we, you know, the example I always use is like, um, <laughs> if you think of like a pedestal mm-hmm. and if we think of like the foods that are on the bottom of the pedestal, they're just, they're not scary. The one I always use is zucchini because yeah. cauliflower. <laughs> yeah, like I'm just like, not a, like, I like zucchini, but it doesn't really, you know, excite me (laughs) so I always use like zucchini as an example right zucchini is at the bottom of the pedestal um you know it's it's not a super exciting food Mm -hmm. um you know for for many people zucchini just is what it is right so the bottom of the food the pyramid is just um or the pedestal is just foods that we feel really safe with and Mm -hmm. foods that have been deemed by society as a quote unquote good food right or a quote unquote healthy food. Mm -hmm. Um, And then the further up the pedestal, there's going to be foods that are, you know, a little bit scarier or have been deemed bad or unhealthy in quotations. Um, And so, you know, the goal is to think about how can we, you know, take some of those foods off the pedestal and the idea that those foods, we've put a lot of power in them and they they almost have this control over us and how can we yeah. take the control back and allow ourselves to truly eat that food. And so, you know, one thing I'll, I'll do is I'll have my clients kind of write out a list of foods that they feel comfortable with and foods that feel scarier. And then we'll kind of, you know, see, well, which foods do we want to start adding in? Um, you know, what are like the least scariest foods the like, moderately scary and then the scary scary we Mm -hmm. might we might wait on those but we'll add in you know the the least scariest foods first and and slowly think about you know how can we add this food in our day in a way that feels comfortable whether it's you know you you go out to buy it or whether you um, have it with a friend or a family member Um, and an important piece in that too is just making sure too that someone has access to to get that food, you know, like, you know, do you have, are you near a grocery store to be able to, to buy this food? You know, is it a food that fits kind of into your budget? Um, or for a lot of my college students, like, is it available in the dining hall that we can, we can practice with? Um, but the more that someone exposes themselves to that food and the more that they eat it in a setting that maybe feels a little bit more normalized, or maybe they're noticing other people eating that food, um, you know, and the more that they feel comfortable knowing that if they eat it, they will be okay. And mm-hmm. they're allowed to have it, um, you know, over time. And it takes, it takes a really long time for, um, for some people, other people, they have it and they feel they're like, wow, that was, that was easy. Um, so everyone's yeah. journey with that is different, but, um, you know, really giving yourself that permission to have that food and enjoy, um, is so important. Totally. Yeah. yeah.
1: I mean, and having that patience of, yeah. you know, sometimes it takes a while because for a lot of us, I feel like, I mean, I want to say especially women, but at the same time I don't want to like generalize because I feel mm-hmm. like a lot of men go through the stuff and they just don't yeah. really have the opportunity to speak about it. Yeah, It's am like not as normalized to talk about, but like rewiring our brains after so many years, like probably mm-hmm. our entire adult and like part of our ad- adolescence, part of our childhood, of being surrounded by that diet culture and diet mm-hmm. talk of, oh, you're so bad if you're reaching for a cookie or, yeah. you know, if you know, do this or do that. But really, you're more likely to binge on it if you just mm-hmm. keep restricting rather than if it's right there. Oh, I'm feeling like I really, my craving is real. I'm gonna eat until I'm full and enjoy it. And then it's not a stressful thing. Mm-hmm. But, Yeah. So it takes a bit to get there.
0: Yeah. Yeah. The, yeah. The more that we restrict foods or, you know, whether it's physically restricting or even mentally restricting. So, you know, sometimes I'll explain the difference of like the physical restriction is that you're not allowing yourself to eat it. You're not allowing it in mm-hmm. your home. Um, if you go somewhere, you're like, I'm not going to have that. Um, and then the mental restriction is just the still idea in your mind that you're, you're not allowed, or you're not worthy to have that food um, where you, you know, you know, I think the mind speaks a lot of like shoulds and should nots. Yeah. And the body is kind of saying like, you know, I need fuel. Um, and so if we're kind of listening to our mind speak and and thinking like, I shouldn't be having this, I shouldn't be having that, that still is a form of restriction, even if it's right. more on the mental side. And so, um, you know, it, it takes a while, but really, you know, practicing, you know, challenging some of the um, voices that like, whether it's like the food police or, um, mm-hmm. you know, the, I think I'm trying to remember um, from the book, some of the other like um, challenge voices and, and yeah. being able to reframe it and and see that food as you know, it's allowed to be part of your intake. Um, and there's, there's nothing right. morally bad about eating a food. Right. Um, for a lot of clients, I'll kind of explain, you know, I like to say that all food falls on kind of a spectrum of nutrient density so we know that some foods are going to be more nutrient dense than others but from on a moral perspective there's no like good or bad Mm -hmm. food is just food it doesn't fall under that morality that you know wellness culture and 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 even in in dietetic like training we learned like oh that you shouldn't have people eat this food and then you get out of school and you're like wait a minute that doesn't make any sense
1: and that's (laughs) no way to live your life
0: Mm -hmm. yeah yeah Um,
1: And I feel like that is a really big misconception uh, when it comes to intuitive eating or, like, intuitive adjacent eating kind of Mm -hmm. things. Like, Yeah. Like, people will say stuff like, oh, well, if I just did that, I would just be eating, like, mac and cheese and, like, ice cream Mm -hmm. every single day all the time. And I'd gain so much weight and, like, that kind of thing when – So how would you kind of like reframe those misconceptions?
0: Yeah. So, you know, one, one way I'll, I'll reframe that is, um, you know, kind of having them think about, well, what would it be like if you had pick any food that you deem as bad, you know, of every meal of every day, right? right? At some point you might notice that, you're like, Oh, I don't know if I feel so great. <laughs> or you might end up like noticing like, wow, well, like, um, if we use Mac and cheese, right. Mac and cheese is yeah. like a creamy texture. It's not crunchy. It's yeah. like soft. Um, and it's, I would say it's more on the savory side. So if you had Mac and cheese, like every single day, um, of every meal and, you know, th- you know, throughout the day, say if you, if you thought that if you gave yourself permission, that would happen probably by the end of the week, you might be like, well, maybe want something crunchy or maybe you want something sweet, or maybe I want something juicy, like Like, anything else. (laughs) Yeah. There's like another flavor that you're looking for. And so, you know, I'll, you know, talk with, with, with clients about, you know, it's really important to be able to listen to your body and it definitely takes time to understand like what your body is saying and, and totally. Body's like hunger and fullness cues, but your body's going to be your best friend in, in telling you what you need. Um, you know, if you had mac and cheese one day, great. If you had mac and cheese two days in a row, awesome. You know, again, by the end of the week, you might want something else. And so you'll notice for yourself that you're probably not going to eat it every day. You might eat it a lot at first because you're so excited about having it. But after a couple of days, a couple, even if you did that for a couple of weeks, you might feel like, oh, I don't know if I want mac and cheese anymore. And it kind of falls back into it being a more normalized food that you're not constantly craving.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah, totally. And yeah, like you were saying, it's normal for a lot of people when they start to practice intuitive eating to kind of have that time where it's like, oh my God, there are no rules, like an unsupervised Mm -hmm. kid at a birthday party. Yeah, And then- you start to realize like, oh my God, my body just like wants some greens and like anything else than mm-hmm. this. Yeah. So, yeah. But yeah, It is like allowing yourself that journey and mm-hmm. like a little patience and grace with it all. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And it's important thing, important concept for athletes too, because I think athletes um, – tend to feel that they need to eat in a certain way in order Mm -hmm. to perform. And we know that, yes, there are going to be ways of eating, like fueling around practice time or fueling Mm -hmm. around games, um, you know, fueling around, you know, whether you're more of a recreational athlete, you know, enjoying spin class or, um, you know, any sort of workout workout class, you know, fueling around that time is going to be helpful, but you don't have to stick to this strict regimen in order mm-hmm. to perform well or achieve your goals in that sport. And I think right. that sometimes gets lost in just the media that we have. And, you know, I think too, in our society, we we live in a lot of extremes. It's either good or bad or healthy or unhealthy. Yeah. And it's hard to explain the middle or the gray area, but yeah. I would say that nutrition really falls in that gray area. Totally. Yeah. And it's
1: so personalized for mm-hmm.
0: everyone.
1: Yeah. Um, well, let's talk a little bit about that then, like fueling for workouts, whether you're an athlete or like you said, I feel like there's a lot of listeners that really enjoy going to the local fitness studios and taking classes mm-hmm. and all of that. And um, I don't know, I think it'd be helpful to maybe talk about like, how you can practice more of an intuitive eating approach Mm -hmm. even while you're maybe training for a marathon or doing this, that, or the other thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That's a, that's a, um, a good topic. So, (laughs) um, you know, I think with, with fueling around exercise, so we know that, you know, carbohydrates are going to be our main fuel source. And so Mm -hmm. it's helpful to have carbohydrates before we're exercising, um, you know i think that sometimes people will be like well do i do i need to have it um if i'm only doing you know a 30 minute class and the answer i always get back is well maybe the science says that you'll be fine but how do you feel like if you right. feel that 10 minutes into your spin class your legs aren't moving well and you're feeling exhausted and you're like oh i just want to <laughs> just want to leave right. then maybe it would have been helpful to have something beforehand um right. and so you know Optimizing those carbohydrate based foods before exercise can be helpful. And then, after, you know, thinking about how are we going to refuel um, and replenish our body. So, thinking about, you know, adding in carbs again to replenish our glycogen stores, mm-hmm. adding in protein to help repair our muscles. And um, depending on, you know, um, maybe how long the, the workout was or, you know, how much you sweat or, humidity, depending on where you're working out, you know, maybe you might even need some electrolytes in, um, and hydration after, after that, definitely hydration, but if you need some electrolytes with that, yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, practicing that, um, you know, again, it's, it's very individualized for people. I think a lot of times there's a fear that if we eat before we exercise, our stomach is going to feel, Feel not so great, or we're Mm going to get sick in the workout. And so, what I'll usually say is, you know, start with something really small, something that's really easy to digest. So, um, you know, maybe, um, you know, maybe you start off with just like a handful of pretzels, right? Pretzels are a carbohydrate; they've got some salt. They're going to, you know, break down quickly in the body and give you the glucose that your body's looking for. And they're they're probably not going to lead you to feel full, maybe, Mm -hmm. but likely not if you have a handful. Um, and then, you know, over time you might slowly increase that, uh, that amount. And so, especially with runners, you know, I'll talk a lot about, you know, starting with a smaller pre-workout and slowly trying to expand it, almost training your gut to take in more fuel. Mm -hmm. Um, and, you know, depending obviously on how long you're running, um, but kind of that slow, slow increase and allow your body to get used to that amount of, amount of fuel. Um, And then to kind of speak towards the, you know, intuitive eating side of, of fueling as an athlete, you know, a big part of intuitive eating, I think sometimes it gets broken down into just like hunger and fullness, but a big piece is actually kind of the intentions behind, behind why we're making food choices as well. And so, you know, we know if we're, um, exercising, we're going to be putting our body through, you know, stress and we need to replenish. And so sometimes our appetite is suppressed after exercise, like, right for the runners i work with you know if you're running a long run you you might not be super hungry after you work out but you know you need fuel and so even though you might not feel hungry You know, thinking about, well, what's something that's going to give you some fuel um, until you, you know, feel hungrier for a big enough meal? And so, you know, does that require like a Gatorade, a liquid, or maybe you have a smoothie or my favorite, chocolate milk? Um, (laughs) You know, so kind of thinking about what food is going to work for your body in that moment um, and give you the fuel you need, even if you're not super hungry. And that still is, is thinking intuitively because you're thinking about what your body needs. Right. And then it you know, you're
1: avoiding feeling like garbage yeah. <laughs> afterwards like yeah. I remember the first marathon that I ran. That was the feeling afterwards like I was like I want to die first and foremost because <laughs> I am not cut out for this life. And I'm not hungry. I just feel like Sick. I feel like I had too many of the little like gel things along the way and it was hot and sunny Mm -hmm. and I didn't really eat much at all that night. And the next day I woke up feeling like I I could eat 25 cheeseburgers and was like so ravenously hungry all Mm -hmm. day long and just continued to feel like crap. (laughs)
0: Mm -hmm. yeah your body was probably so hungry looking for fuel (laughs) yeah yeah
1: so if only I had known the things that I know now but
0: (laughs) Mm -hmm. yeah
1: yeah um no I I love all of this I feel like oh so many people just get so caught up in like the rules of everything Mm -hmm. and all of that um and I think that we should focus on that just a little bit more in terms of like some of like the diet myths of like Mm -hmm. the number one diet rule that we all hear is exactly what you're talking about. Carbs are unnecessary. Carbs are bad. Mm -hmm. Carbs are going to cause you crazy weight gain. It's the first thing that anyone cuts out or cuts back on like, ever (laughs) Mm -hmm, yeah so thoughts on first of all why we should not completely cut it out and maybe if people it is like a scary food like Mm -hmm. maybe some carbs that might be more approachable or whatever
0: yeah yeah um yeah carbs they just get such a um just such a bad message in society, but um, they're so important. Um, You know, you know, we know from research that carbohydrates um, are going to be, you know, the body's main energy source. So the energy, the energy that your body, your sorry, your muscles are mm-hmm. looking for, yeah. the energy your brain needs. You know, if we think about like metabolism overall, there's all sorts of functions going on in your body, right? Like digestion and your heart pumping and your lungs breathing, your brain working. All of those functions like to use carbohydrates as fuel. And so then, adding on exercise, we know that carbohydrates are going to help with performance and, you know, again, your muscles are working, that's going to be the fuel that it wants to use. Um, you know, I think that they, they get a bad rap because everyone loves like protein or there's a lot of, um, hype around, you know, keto diets. And, you know, I think that there's, there's definitely medical situations where a ketogenic diet would be appropriate, but for the vast majority of people, um, it's, it's not super sustainable. It's, it's not, there's a lot of side effects, um, on the body, like slow digestion. Mm -hmm. Um, you know, if you are predominantly eating fat, you could be missing out on like vitamins and minerals from fruits and vegetables that you might not be having enough of. Um, and just, you know, there's fiber in a lot of grains and so you might not be getting as much fiber too. Um, and just the studies in terms of performance, you know, we don't see, um, you know, maybe on a site, on a cellular level, cellular level, we might see some changes in the body, but from a performance standpoint, we're not seeing that having a high, high fat diet is helpful for performance, mm-hmm. um, for the vast majority of exercise. There might have been, you know, a couple of studies in ultra marathon runners, but again, that's a different sport than right. What- a lot of people are doing. Right. Um, so, you know, we know we need carbohydrates. And, um, you know, I think that they, you know, carbohydrates are in a lot of different foods. So we have like our grains and we have, you know, quote unquote healthy foods like oatmeal and mm-hmm. wheat bread and um, whole wheat pasta. Mm-hmm. Um, and then we have, and fruit. And then we have carbohydrates that are in cookies or they're in, um, candy. And yeah. so, you know, I think the difference there is that we have carbohydrates that are going to be more fiber rich with more fiber and more protein. And then there's going to be carbohydrates that have less fiber, less protein. They're maybe a quicker digesting carbohydrate. But I would say for the body, right, that's going to see carbohydrates as glucose. They're yeah. just, you know, with some carbohydrates, there's going to again be that like fiber and protein that helps slow the the absorption of the glucose. Mm -hmm. Um, but for athletes, you know, they were, and, and people that are, um, you know, if we want to say like recreational athletes, people that enjoy going to fitness classes, you know, they can still use both of those types of carbohydrates. They both have purposes, um, in a daily fueling schedule. And so, um, you know, there's nothing bad about eating something that's, I guess, a quick carb or yeah. they're called a white carb. Right. Yeah. Totally. And yeah. I feel like
1: it really is like with everything else, everything in moderation. Mm-hmm. Like if that's all you're eating all the time, like you probably won't be performing as well. Mm-hmm. You'll feel different. You might see some weight gain, although that that's like the worst thing to ever happen to anyone. Mm-hmm. But <laughs> but Yeah, like just balance it out.
0: Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah.
1: And like eat the real pasta.
0: (laughs) Yes, I – yeah, always eat the real pasta. Life is too short. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Too Mm -hmm. short. I mean, don't get me wrong.
1: Sometimes I do buy like the lentil pastas or the whole wheat or whatever. Um, Also, I love my boyfriend and he's gluten-free, so like Mm -hmm. makes my life a little more difficult. Yeah. But – you gotta allow yourself it. Mm-hmm. Um, okay, let's keep going with some of these like diet culture beliefs, if you will. Yeah. Um, counting calories as a normal and healthy habit. Mm-hmm. Like, yeah. To sustain
0: through life. <laughs> yeah, I my opinion on I think there's different camps on that, but my opinion is that I don't find it very helpful or productive. Um, mm-hmm you know, when we, when we're using calorie counting, um, as a way to kind of create rules for ourselves, or, you know, maybe it's, um, it's hidden under like macro counting, which, you know, calorie counting sometimes has the idea of like, oh, we're in a deficit and macro counting has the idea of like, oh, well you can eat anything as long as it fits into your macros. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and I feel when we're, when we're, um, almost like defined by a number or we're focusing so much on the numbers we're going to miss out on actually what our body is saying. Right. So for example with like counting counting calories or counting macros if you're supposed to hit this certain amount of protein and by the end of the day you didn't hit it now, if you're kind of like going through the cabinets being like, what has 10 grams of protein and not enough carbohydrates, that's Mm -hmm. stressful. That's adding extra stress. And maybe you're not even hungry for that. Mm -hmm. So, you know, I think with calorie tracking, um, it's seen as this way to like control what you're eating, Mm -hmm. but it ends up becoming this external control that doesn't really allow us to, dig deep into our own internal controls. And it's a very slippery slope because we might start with an amount of calories that is maybe suitable for our body. And then slowly, if we're not seeing the results that we wish we were seeing, whatever those results might be, those calories start to get lower and lower and lower. And now we're in this huge deficit that is going to have impacts on our metabolism and um, is going to have impacts on performance and is going to actually create us you know to have this um, almost like this cycle of like restricting our intake and then overeating or mm-hmm. engaging in a my least favorite word and I feel like you've said this before cheat days like I yeah, hate that I'm word so much because you like you know what we don't need that day like if we allow these foods throughout the week then we don't need a day to like cheat on them like what you're not cheating on, Right. You're not cheating on yourself by eating something that's a little bit more fun, you know? Right.
1: I know. It's wild, like, the power that those words really hold. Mm -hmm. Like, I used to be that person that meal prepped and was so stressed out about food day after day and then on the Mm -hmm. weekends I would lose my mind like (laughs) I'd be like it's Friday night so I can have a cheat meal but then it would really just carry over into like the entire weekend and I would not Mm -hmm. eat like one nutrient dense food for the entire weekend I would feel like garbage it was also like early 20s so I was like drinking a lot Mm -hmm. and it was just such not a great way to live yeah. Yeah. Like it's, it's so much to, unnecessary stress. Yeah. We're already, we have enough to be stressed
0: about. Yeah. And it's really hard to get out of the cycle when you're totally. in that too, because then, you know, if you have a weekend where you've, um, you know, you felt that you've overeaten. Now there's like this guilt and this shame that comes in. And so it kind of goes back into the restrictive mindset of like, well, I'll, you know, I'll restart my diet on Monday or I'll restart tracking on Monday. Yeah. Um, and so that kind of just, again, perpetuates that cycle. So for a lot of clients that I'll work with that maybe have been tracking um, and, you know, they might've had good intentions for tracking, you know, totally. there's not always like weight loss intentions for tracking but sometimes I'll I'll have them move to kind of a more of like a food logging or picture logging type of tracker to kind of move away from the calories mm-hmm. and see more like you know what does your plate look like and so we can look at we can use right. that information and see like you know is are you missing something on your plate or we might do more like hunger fullness tracking like how do you feel before a meal how do you feel after a meal and kind of you know using that data in a more productive way of being yeah. able to create meals that really satisfy.
1: Yeah. That's so helpful, especially working with a professional, you know, then you can look at it and mm-hmm. give some great feedback. Yeah. Um, what do we think about intermittent fasting?
0: <laughs> I am not a fan. Um, you know, <laughs> I think that, you know, I know there's, there's, going to be research that's come more research coming out about it. Um, Mm -hmm. you know, I think that it's just a more socially acceptable way of restriction and Mm -hmm. creating that external control. So the idea of like, I'm only, you know, you know, for, for maybe people that don't know what intermittent, intermittent fasting is, you know, you kind of set this time period and every there's kind of some set ones, like someone might fast for 16 hours and then eat for eight hours and they, or they might, you know, fast, um, a full day in between some days of eating. Um, but either way, I know either way, (laughs) Uh you're still, you're still restriction. You're still restricting and putting your body in this, in this energy deficit. Um, Mm -hmm. potentially, you know, I think sometimes people say like, Oh, well, I can eat everything I need in that eight hours. And then the question I usually pose back is, well, well, how does that fit into your life? Right? Like what if, um, if you if your time frame is like 11 to six, you know, what happens if your friends are like, Hey, we're, we're going to, I guess maybe not in COVID times, but, um, like normal times, (laughs) normal times or the future times, you know, what if we, you know, do you want to come like go out to dinner with us at seven? You know, what do you do? Do you feel like, oh, I'm not allowed to eat anymore? Or do you break the, you know, break your rule and then again, sit in this guilty. um, Yeah. Guilt and shame. Mm -hmm. Um, even just
1: the stress around making that decision, Mm -hmm. like it's impacting your social life. It's impacting not that not that you can't prioritize your health, mm-hmm. and sometimes that does mean sacrificing some social things, but it's that is such a slippery slope of mm-hmm. what is more important there, yeah, not yeah. eating for sixteen hours or spending time with people that you love and make you happy yeah. and like fill you up a little bit,
0: yeah, and we already fast naturally because we sleep, right, right? so you know we're right. already kind of going through a period of of uh, fasting and then waking Mm -hmm. up in the morning. And so again, kind of like shortening the time is just, you know, giving our body, I guess, more time to um, I guess, utilize energy. But I think at the same time it leaves people to feel like really hungry or they just like they can't wait until their first meal. And then they might actually end up, you know, overeating um Mm -hmm. or, you know, eating in a way that feels out of control and then feeling maybe even feeling sick for the rest of the day. Um, So, you know, I've seen a lot of, um, a lot of clients who are struggling with that. And so we work on kind of like slowly, you know, thinking about why we've placed these restrictions and rules on ourselves. Right.
1: Yeah. What is your bigger reason for that? Is it just weight loss? Is it, some piece that you need to make within like your own body image, Mm -hmm. all of that. Yeah. Um, Is that something that you work with your clients or patients with a little bit?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So well, um, body image definitely um, comes up very often. I think, Mm -hmm. you know, every, um, you know, everyone has a different um, maybe I body ideal, or everyone's struggling with body image in a different way. You know, mm-hmm. I think for some of the athletes that I'm working with, you know, they might have this idea of what they're supposed to look like for their sport. Right. Um, and then, you know, for some, um, you know, for other clients that I'm working with, it, it, it could be about, again, their body shape and size. And I never, you know, if someone has a goal of weight loss, you know, I never want to, for them to feel like shameful about having that goal and so a lot right. of times I'll I'll talk to them about like how can we kind of hold these two ideas at once right like mm-hmm. how can we want to maybe change our body and lose weight and also know like what would what would we have to do to do that and is that helpful for our physical and mental health totally and so you know we kind of think about like you know we can still want to to change our body and also know at the same time it might not be not might not be helpful for us and and we'll you know or we'll walk through you know what is it about um someone's ideal body that feels or you know what what is it about their own body that feels so distressing to them and right. um what is it that they want to change and maybe why and there's usually you know there's always like maybe reasons outside of food and body of why someone wants to change their body and so mm-hmm you know, kind of guiding them through that discussion. And, you know, in my field too, we work really closely with, um, you know, therapists and mental health clinicians so that, you know, someone has kind of two views into that world. Yeah. I love
1: all of that because I feel like sometimes like if you're reposting things about this kind of stuff, or I feel like I'm a little vocal about all of it. Um, people can get like super offended and mm. thinking like you're trying to like yuck someone's yums and saying like one thing is bad and one thing is not and mm-hmm. whatever it's not so black and white yeah. and there is such a great area but i think it is so important to focus on yeah like what is your why behind that and The steps that you plan to take, how is it going to affect your mental health, Mm -hmm. how you feel throughout your day, how you're interacting with people, your social life, your family, all of those factors are so important because Mm -hmm. at the end of the day, like your health is so important, but also your mental health is so important and aesthetics can't be everything
0: yeah yeah I think you know we live in a society that just idolizes thinness and mm-hmm. and idolizes weight loss as if it's you know the best thing that your body can do and so right. um, you know a big part of my work is is helping people to see you know what else can your body do um, you know if your body changes, how can we see that in more of a neutral or accepting space versus mm-hmm. seeing it as I've done something wrong? Totally.
1: Yeah. I love yeah. that. Even like the neutrality, mm-hmm. like sometimes that is like the biggest step. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like yeah. I am not defined by a number on the scale, my, the size of, on the ta- tag of my pants, all of mm-hmm. that. Um, and I think sometimes that can then carry on into more of like the body confidence and yeah, yeah. Um, all right. Just for the sake of time, yeah, we're gonna do a little rapid fire round and round it out. I can't believe it's already almost been an hour. I know, (laughs) and you were so nervous that you weren't gonna know what to say. (laughs) Told you, I told you. (laughs) Um. Okay, let's start with. Some like self care, because I don't can't think of another word to describe it, or like mental health caring for yourself, like non negotiables mm-hmm. in your everyday routine. Oh, yeah. Um,
0: oh, gosh. Um, I would say definitely, I wouldn't say this every day, but I, um, you know, running is something that I just enjoy, and mm-hmm. you know, I, I have a background as you know, I I ran competitively in in college, and I you know, I train now. But at the end of the day, I also just like love running for the yeah. movement that it is. So it's like a part it's of not, who you are. <laughs> yeah. So I and I can't run every day now, but um, as long as I you know get out you know a couple times a week, um, you know that's something that's really important to me. Yeah catch those um, sunrises yeah yeah that's actually <laughs> been my new thing trying to like get go see the sunrise or the sunset if I get up early enough or I have yeah. time at the end of the day that's that's some you know just taking that walk and walking along the beach is some self-care as well
1: yeah no kidding I definitely yeah.
0: feel lucky to
1: live where we live for that mm-hmm. reason because like yeah.
0: it's
1: calming yeah um a must-have on your running
0: playlist song artist whatever um I don't know if I have like a specific artist but I am a big fan of remixes like Mm -hmm. any song that's been remixed like I will like it (laughs) same (laughs) so so probably that like I you know, if any, like, regular pop song, like, as long as it has a twist or a remix to it, I'm like, yes, that has to mm-hmm. be on my running playlist. <laughs> like, right when you get
1: sick of a popular song and then, like, mm-hmm. a fire remix comes out and you're like, yeah.
0: I love it again. That's it. Yeah. Anything with, like, a big beat drop, I'm like,
1: yes, yes that has to be on my playlist. <laughs> yes, absolutely. Um Favorite post-run snack or, like,
0: post-race or long-run meal? Ooh, um, well, I'm a big fan of chocolate milk. Mm-hmm. Um, I'm obsessed with chocolate milk. <laughs> sometimes, I like to put, sometimes I like to put in a wine glass and I feel fancy. Yes. With, <laughs> with <stress. laughs> so that's a must. Um, or let's see, I'm a big fan of fruit snacks before. So that that's another one. That's before. I love that. um, and then after, honestly, I would eat anything after. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Anything. I'm trying to think of like what my last like long run meal was. I don't know. I like like, I don't know if I go to breakfast or I get um, a breakfast sandwich, like, Mm. I don't know what it is about a breakfast sandwich, but it's just so good.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Especially like (laughs) post run or like, I love like a good like Saturday morning routine of like Mm -hmm. making it to your favorite spin class, whatever class, and then like getting a nice party breakfast sandwich Mm -hmm. after. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Like the melted cheese and the bacon. It's just good. All of it.
1: (laughs) Um, Do you have a workout or race or even teaching, I guess, must have in terms of what you're wearing, how your hair is, setting music, any of that?
0: Um, Yes. Before races, I will always like French braid my hair. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Um, And I – I always like straighten it and then French braid it, which makes no sense. But I, my hair is curly. So I feel like when it's straight and French braid, it like, it feels like, like I, I feel like aerodynamic.
1: Relate. Yes, I relate. <laughs> because if I tried to French braid my hair the way that it is right now, it would still be so poofy and frizzy mm-hmm. and like not attached to my head. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. I understand the struggle.
0: Yeah, that's definitely. And then I used to have like, like a ritual of only wearing like a black sports bra and black, um, socks and a black, black shorts. Now I've like loosened up a little bit, but, um, you're so crazy now. (laughs) (laughs) Now I've gone to other colors, but, um, you know, I used to think that would like make me feel intense, but
1: -hmm.
0: I love it. (laughs) Um,
1: oh, I had one in my head that I just thought of. Oh, I guess this isn't really like a rapid fire question, but do you use like any of like the goos or the gels or anything? Like if you're going on like a long run or like mm-hmm. a longer race, yes. what are your favorite kinds
0: and flavor? Oh, Ooh. Um, I know. Let's see. Mm-hmm. I keep like, I always like change it up because I just like to try all the different products. Not yeah. like... I don't try to change up too much in my training cycle, right. but like other outside of that, I'm like, oh, I like to try them all. Right. Um, but I, I really like the Cliff Shot blocks, mm-hmm. and but I also like Honey Stingers too. Yeah, those, um, like those gummies. I'm a big fan of of gummies. But sometimes I guess it depends on like the weather, like I feel like sometimes in the summer, it's hard to chew them. So I like more of a gel, but they like it all stuck together. Yeah. Yeah. But it has to be fruity. Um, if it's like too chocolatey, I just can't do it. So more like a berry or actually there was like, I get like super excited with flavors. Um, actually (laughs) there was like this, I think it was cliff that they had this like margarita flavor and it had like extra sodium in it. And it was like this like limey. It didn't taste like tequila but it, it was well, no. like this like limey margarita flavor and I was like this is great <laughs> that sounds like my jam because I definitely have made that mistake before
1: and I feel like it was like in training or something mm-hmm. where I got like I just went ham at GNC and like grabbed all the flavors of like the desserts that I would want to eat yeah and like there was one that I did really like, but it was tough depending on the weather. Mm-hmm. Um, it was like – a maybe it was just coffee flavored or something like that. And it had like extra caffeine in it okay. too. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But that definitely also killed my stomach. <laughs> just like <laughs> not having real food and just – Too
0: much throwing caffeine. Throwing that back. And then like yeah. you need
1: extra water because it's mm-hmm. like so thick and creamy. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 All right, well that certainly was not a rapid fire, so my bad. <laughs> um okay. Let's just do these last two. Sure. Finish the sentence. I'm pretty much always
0: <laughs> can be anything. I wanna say energetic. Yeah. Like, I feel like I'm a very energetic person. You are. Um my boyfriend will also say that I'm a match, <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm pretty much, pretty much always pretty energetic. I feel like I love it. Yeah, I would agree.
1: <laughs> um, and then, besides running, what is your favorite workout to do?
0: Ooh, um, I, I feel like I go through phases. Um, probably. Probably some sort of like strength training, but I like to mm-hmm. have, like, I can create my own workout, but I kind of like to go to like a strength class Yeah, and someone's like, this is what we're going to do. Yes. Agreed. The motivation <laughs> is just different. Yeah. Yeah. I think I, I like, I think if I'm going to, you know, running is su- such high, like intensity and high yeah. impact, but then I like more of like a, almost like a like a train class or like a circuit type class that it's a little bit more like slowed down. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Definitely agree. The balance you got to have the balance. Yeah. Um, all right. Lastly, any books, podcasts, resources of any kind nutrition running or whatever that you're loving have stuck with you. Yeah. Recommend. Um,
0: I think I feel like some people have said this on your podcast before, but I really like the food psych podcast. That's a great one. Yeah. Um, I also like, um, I'm just like looking at my Spotify to see, um, maintenance phase. It is really great maintenance phase. Yeah. So it, um, you know, they kind of debunk some, nutrition diet culture myths and it's really funny so yeah, i enjoy that, that podcast my alley. yeah um and then in terms of like for nutrition like more sports nutrition i actually really like the we do science um podcast mm-hmm. they have a lot of great like researchers on there and it's definitely more scientific but um yeah, i enjoy it yeah um and then for books I mean, the intuitive eating book is a great resource. Mm-hmm. Um, looking at my shelf. Um, <laughs> I actually just read um, this book called The Athlete's Gut, which was really interesting. Um, I think the guy's name is Dr. Wilson, um, but The Athlete's Gut, it was, you know, about okay. kind of like, um, you know, digestion in athletes and yeah. how to optimize you know, a healthy gut for fueling because that can impact a race. That was pretty interesting too.
1: Yeah, totally. That sounds really interesting. Yeah. Um, and where can everybody find you? Hype yourself up.
0: Yeah. So I am only on Instagram, but you can find me at A B Waldrun. A B Waldrun. Um and I post a lot of sunsets, so if you enjoy that content, <laughs> yes,
1: highly recommend. And the Trader Joe's recommendations, which mm-hmm. I meant to ask you about, so we're gonna we might just have to do a bonus episode. That's great, just on that, like debunking
0: <laughs> all of the pumpkin spice yes. things that you tried because mm-hmm. you tried them all. I did try them all, and some were good, and some were some were not so good. <laughs> um, but yeah, you could find me on Instagram and. Um, you know, if, if someone is interested in working in with me or the practice that I'm in, I'm, I'm at Laura Moretti nutrition and I work with, you know, four amazing dietitians. So, um, it's fun. I love it. And
1: yeah. are you back at my stride yet?
0: I am. Oh, I forgot. I'm also at my stride. So if okay. you want to take a running class, oh. um, I'm at MyStride. We have two locations now, one in South Boston and still at North station. And we're going to have lots of outdoor classes for the summer. So if you want to listen to some remixes and run fast where that's the place to place to be. Yay. I know <laughs> I need to make
1: it over there. Do you teach at the Southie location? I do.
0: I do. Okay. Yeah. It's, it's so um, close
1: to me. I yeah. need to like get out of my bubble.
0: <laughs> yeah, It's a really nice studio and I know it, it's a such a fun vibe and you know, mm. we try to make all our workouts like runner focused. So, you know, especially if you're training for, I, know, I guess races aren't, super popular right now, but yeah. Boston's coming up in this yeah. in the fall. So
1: I think people are doing
0: some virtual. Yeah, this season. yeah.
1: Yeah. A ton of people that are super excited to be training now
0: again for yeah. Boston. Yeah. So. yeah, just like so, so fun to have like something on the calendar to, right. to train for. Totally. Yeah.
1: All right. Well, thank you so much. This was so thank great you for having me we'll have to talk again <laughs> soon
0: on here. Yes, definitely.
1: Thank you for listening to the Build with Braybeck podcast. Stay connected on Instagram at Braybeck and our website, www.buildwithbraybeck.com. Show a little love by rating and reviewing, sharing with your friends, and of course, subscribing so you don't ever miss an episode. Until next week, keep on building.